This week on a lively experiment, down the home stretch they go as candidates in Tuesday's primary scramble to round up votes. We have a full rundown and analysis of all the major races. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with their insights, developer and former Providence mayor, Joe Paolino. Bill Bartholomew, founder of the Bartholomew Town podcast and former attorney general, Arlene Violet. Hello everyone and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to be back with you this week. Well, we are in the sprint to primary day as candidates make their last minute pitch to sway undecided voters and to get their supporters to the polls on Tuesday. First up, the Democratic candidates for governor had two high stakes televised debates over the last two weeks. And of course, you can't turn on your TV or radio these days without hearing ads, a lot of which have gone negative recently. Bill, let me start with you. You uh, were the Iron Man. You did all the radio debates, uh, with except for, exception of the congressional debates at WPRO. Any, any thoughts over the last couple of weeks how this has played out? Well, I think it's very interesting right now. The, the moment is about the undecided voters, of which there are tons. Let's be honest about it. Do undecided voters look to Helena folks as sort of the outsider candidate, or do they pivot towards Governor McKee or maybe Secretary Gorbea? Obviously, always undecided voters play into an election, this year more so than ever before, and that's who I think each of the candidates are vying for. They're not necessarily even trying to retain their existing coalitions. They're just saying to the person who has barely been paying attention to what's going on in Rhode Island politics, here's why you should come into my camp. Well, I, I, we assume that the undecided is going to vote. Uh, so another real issue here is to what degree are people motivated to go out and vote in a primary. And the Democratic primary yeah. to start with. But I see the negative advertising, but I frankly think it's too little too late. Uh, we are political junkies, so we tend to pay attention to the nuances of all the issues that are being raised. But most people are too busy with their lives uh, to pay much attention to that. But, you know, I, I feel that uh, the candidates, Helena Folks, even Nellie Gorbea, who obviously is getting in trouble over the, over the uh, voting fiasco that has occurred, I, their attack on McKee, I think, uh, is going to fall up short. And frankly, his ads are fabulous, particularly the one with his mother. His mother's going to win him the election, in my view. Joe? Yeah, you, you could be right on that. You know, I ran for governor 32 years ago. And back then, the Providence Journal had about a 300,000 circulation throughout the state. And everybody was wondering, is it going to be Sunland? Is it going to be Palino? Is it going to be Flaherty? What's going to happen? And today, I think the journal has about 30,000 circulation, which means it hasn't been on the topic of the people. They haven't been talking about this race the way they did 32 years ago. Who got the endorsement, Joe? Back then, um, I don't know if they even endorsed in the primary. I think they, they, they did endorse in the general election, but the journal did not endorse in the primary. But, but I'm seeing something that Helena folks is doing that Sunland did. Sunland tried to put me and Frank Flaherty as two peas in a pod, two politicians. It's not what we want. We've got to get away from the politicians. Go to an independent business person, and Bruce Sunland would be that person. And it worked. I'm seeing Helena now trying to group Nellie and the governor together. Now, this is a Democratic primary, and organization is key. And the governor has a pretty good track record on working with organized labor. They're out there for him, and, the, and 
he's going to have a good block of votes, and I agree with you. His mother got him back into that race very strong. Nellie, I think, has hurt herself. I think she's got the problem that Kathy Cannell had years ago when messing up the ballot. Kathy Cannell lost to Barbara Leonard for re-election as Secretary of State. And I think Nellie now, before it looked she could win it, I think it's now a two-person race between Helena Folks and the governor. Uh, if I had to say the election today, I'd tell you I think the governor. The election's not today. The election's on Tuesday. And I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset with uh, Helena Folks. Folks has, has begun cresting and clearly got the Boston Globe endorsement for whatever that's worth. It, it's always nice to have. But I wonder, it, it reminds me of John Robitaille back in the 2000 election. Remember the RGA sure. pumped in a lot of money. That was the general if he'd had two more weeks. Right. You wonder whether she has enough time to bridge the gap. I think that's true. And I've been saying, you know, even doing the talk radio and on Twitter, the podcast, the whole thing, more Rhode Islanders can name five New England Patriots players than <laughs> five people running for governor. That's a sad state of affairs, obviously, but that's the reality. And I don't know that Helena Bonanno folks is going to be able to pull in, you know, enough of those people who, again, haven't really been paying attention, aren't that's the political true. junkies, to get them out to the polls on September 13th to make that um, that final crest to take to take the uh, the, the, the election. Uh, it's sort of sacrilegious, but two women running for the same position does create a problem. I remember when I was running and Claudine Schneider, the Republican, running for Congress. Now, she was like five inches on me. She wore jewelry up to here, tons of jewelry, <laughs> or whatever. And I'd run into her later in the day. She said, I got you many votes today, Sister Violet. She said, because when I was parading and shaking hands with people, they said, hi, Sister Violet. And I said, hi, love you, love you. She say, I said, well, thank you very much. But we look nothing alike. I certainly didn't be wearing jewelry back in my convent days. But people would confuse her, who was great-looking, with the dowdy nun. And I just worry that there's a similar thing going on. With, who's, was that folks or was that Gorbea? So it's a confusion. If, if you're undecided, my question is, and I go along with Bill on this, if you're undecided, I think that vote goes to Helena Folks. But don't underestimate Governor McKee. He's got a, a, a string of good accomplishments. Being in that office for a year and a half, his, his mother pretty much said it right there. He was dealt a hand of cards, and he's been playing them pretty good. And having organized labor, I think, yeah. is important. So right now, I say it's between the two of them. I give the edge to the governor. I wouldn't be surprised if Helena could pull it off. But uh, organized labor gives you that ground game. You turn out. About. Very turn much out. able turn to, out. to get out. And, don't, and, and experience of running in a campaign before. Dan McKee has done this before. This is a first try for Helena. And I think something goes for experience when you're going through the political process. Uh, Arlene, what about this whole election snafu? We referred to it a little bit with Kathy Cannell. But how damaging that is to, to Secretary Gorbea. And then she's immediately throwing the Board of Elections under the mm -hmm. bus. You wonder with, the, with as bad as it looked, if she had stepped up and said, you know what, the buck stops here. It may have been somebody else's, but we need to fix this. This is a major problem. Does the throwing under the bus, is that worse than the problem? I, I, know, I know why she did it, because if you really read the statutes, it was the Board of Election. <laughs> She's only responsible for layout, uh, which was Kathleen Connell's problem with the ballot that went on forever. Exactly. So theoretically, it was the Board of Elections, but the average person out there does not get that nuance. And to answer your question, she probably should have said, uh, I should have uh, done more to make the Board of Elections do its job, as opposed to, I'm on my hands to clean. 
no one's going to get that nuance. Just finally, the televised debates, 10 and 12. I was on vacation um, for the 10 debate, and I went back and watched it. A little bit feistier, a little bit looser. Who, who do you, how did you score that? And then Channel 12, a little bit more buttoned up. But I think various candidates made good points. Doc, uh, Louis, uh, Louis Munoz always impresses me in these debates, even yeah. though he's down in the polls. Even Ooh. though he was excluded from the Channel 12 debate based on national next star criteria. Right, right. So, Look, uh, I think in the debate we saw the Channel 10 debate was interesting because the stage was obviously very hot. You know, Matt Brown looked like he was, you know, just ran a marathon. Um, so just even... Yeah, and McKee said that, that and, right? And, and he said, keep sweating over there. And I think it showed, look, there's a there's a performative aspect to all this that was that's important when you're going in front of a statewide audience. Look, I think that the last debate, the Channel 12 debate, the governor was did not answer some of the questions on whether or not he's got... You know, members of his administration who have received subpoenas very well. I think Helena folks did perform the best in that debate. But nonetheless, do we really know how many people were watching that debate? Do we really know how many people can, the, the nuances of Tidewater Landing? I mean, at the end of the day, no one really knows the difference between how much Pawtucket's going to pay for it versus the state versus the developer. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of nuance, a lot of inside baseball that doesn't translate to the average voter. Is there gum on the governor's shoe with the ILO contract? And, you know, Tony Silva resigned a year ago. I know that's a long time ago, but is any of that sticking? I mean, Matt Brown went full-out ballistic. Indictment, FBI, they're about to arrive with the handcuffs. Does that some point backfire on you? I don't know if it backfires on Matt Brown with the governor. I'm sure the governor wished he didn't have that yeah. situation in front of him. Yeah. But he's been, been able to overcome a lot of that already. And people are hearing it not from the general public. They're hearing it from these television ads. And then you have to say, okay, why is Nellie Gabera saying that about him? Because she wants to win. She wants him to lose. Why is this other person saying it? So they're just fighting for themselves. But it, it certainly doesn't help. Quickly, your thoughts on the debates? Uh, folks won both, hands down. But this is all about turnout, <clears throat> turnout, turnout. And when you have the endorsement of the unions who are religious about getting their members out there to vote, I think that gives them a key the edge. All right. The uh, Providence mayor's race is also coming down to the wire. It's interesting. There's not been any polling here. Brett Smiley has the money. He's been on TV. He's walking around with everybody seemingly in Providence. But um, Gonzalo Cuervo has really picked up some major endorsements and, and Nerval of Fortune. Joe, you've kind of sat on the side lines until now are you endorsing anybody or I don't think anybody cares who I endorse but I'm, but I'll tell you that who I'm going to vote for and let me explain Providence I think my city which I love I live I work and I have a large investment in Providence emotionally and financially I think it's broken I think it's been broken for a long time and I'm not happy with quality of life crimes that are going on in the city with ATVs going down the streets. They got speed bumps everywhere. Why do we have all these speed bumps? They have these bike lanes <laughs> with barriers in the street. You can't even plow the snow. I mean, mm -hmm. you need to use common sense. So one thing I learned when I was mayor is ideology does not exist. You can't be a progressive, a liberal, a conservative, a moderate. You have to be common sense and practical to run and manage a large city like the city of Providence. And so I'm concerned about the things I've seen broken. Superman been closed for 10 years. Yeah, sure. They say that they're going to fix it up. When? Interest rates went from 2% to 5%. Right. So how is that going to happen? So when I look at the candidates, Nerva, um, I've met her a few times. I don't know her well. I know she's a highly intelligent individual. But I don't know where that experience is. And every time when I hear, she's always complaining that it's somebody else's fault on something. So... I kind of like, okay, pass on that. Two, Gonzalo Swervo, super smart. Worked for Cicilline, worked for T uh, Tavares, 
uh, worked for Nellie Gabera in the Secretary of State's office. I think he was the Chief of Staff or Deputy Secretary of State. And he's done a fine job, and he's smart. But I don't like his ideas. I think his ideas are too way to the left that don't make common sense. We can't be everything to everybody. And it seems today that people want to be three sides on one quarter. You can't do it. You've got to carve out what you can do. Now, I'll look at Brent Smiley. If anybody ever told me eight years ago I'd be voting for Brent Smiley, I said, I, you know, I don't think so. But I've been able, but I didn't know him. And now I know him. I've seen him relate to young people. I've seen him re relate to the person on the street, construction workers. I've, seen, I've been able to view him when he worked for uh, Mayor Alorza, Governor Raimondo. And I think, quite frankly, he's what Providence needs right now. And it took me a long time to come to that decision. I feel good about it. I'm going to vote for Brent Smiley, and I hope he becomes the next mayor of Providence. What, you, you live in Providence. I do, and I moderated the, the Providence mayoral debate on the radio. You know, look, when it comes to the ATVs, I think everybody agrees it's a nuisance, it's, an, it's obnoxious, and it's a quality of life issue. And, and all the candidates, when I asked them point blank, hey, are you going to address this? They said yes, they would. Uh, right now, the pulse that I'm hearing is uh, I feel like Gonzalo Cuervo is surging. That's, again, just completely anecdotal. I don't think it really even has anything to do with the Mayor Alorza endorsement. It's just anecdotal that people are talking about Gonzalo Cuervo in a way that I'm not hearing people talk about the governor's race. You know, they're saying Gonzalo. I hear that name in different circles, be it in the artist circle, in the local politics circle, um, whatever it is. But it is going to be a very tight race. The only poll that we really saw was Mayor Alors' private poll that showed a very tight race. Um, I think Mirva LaFortune, too little, too late to get momentum, even as the quote-unquote education candidate. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's anybody's race between Cuervo and, and Smiley right now. Smiley's ads hit the sweet spot. Fix the potholes. Get it done. Right. The garbage. Get this done. Yeah. And I think that's the nuts and bolts that are going to make him the ultimate winner. Um, what about the treasurer's race? It's, it's an interesting in the primary. Ultimately, uh, James Lathrop is waiting on the, and I think we're going to hear a lot more about him. He's got a pretty strong financial background, the Republican. But it's Stephen Pryor and James Deosa. So they each have positives and negatives. It's very interesting because they've set, now Pryor has set Deosa up as he's had some financial missteps. This whole narrative about turning around Central Falls may be true, but that, so as you read that, what do you think when you? Again, the political People are paying attention to all of that. I'm not quite so sure how Joe and Mary Public are paying attention to it. But uh, I think it is going to be a close race. Both of them have some union endorsements. Everything is about turnout, you know, on that date. I do think Diosa did take on some water uh, with his 26 <coughs> trips that he took uh, to parts unknown or, you know, internationally, et cetera, when he was mayor. He takes credit a little bit too much for what he did uh, in Central Falls. And, uh, because frankly, the government was on financial <laughs> training wheels. Yeah, and, and, time, and right? his ad, I, I really thought it was dirty pull to do an ad pretending that he was Stephen Pryor endorsing you know, himself. Oh, that Twitter account. Well, oh, that Twitter that, account, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. so, so that, you know, I, I don't like that. I, I was always a fan of Diosis, but I got turned off uh, when he did that. You know, I like Jim Diosha. I said to him, I said, Jim, I just don't look at you as a general treasurer. I can see you running for another office. Lieutenant Governor, but, but Secretary for, of for State. For that office, I don't see it. And when, when Stephen Pryor's in that race, I think he's really, he's got the credentials, he's got the intellect, he's got the background, he's got that big picture look, and he's been able to do a great job. And I was in that job of commerce when it was economic development. Mm -hmm. He's been there the longest of anybody. I think he's done a fine job there, and I think he wins.
You age in dog years in that in that uh, position, don't you? I mean, that's a really tough, the old EDC. Right. It's a very difficult position to be in. It's a tough job, but quite frankly, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know Stefan enjoyed it because he was trying to get so many projects done before he announced. I kept on saying, if you're running, you've got to get into this thing. He said, I still got some projects I've got to complete. And he delayed it. And he delayed it, yeah. which could cost him the election. But I have a feeling he wins this race. What do you think? I think it's a matchup of the, <clears throat> the mayoral, the northern Rhode Island mayoral <laughs> old guard versus um, the, the Ramundo alumni network. And which of these two units, if you will, appeals more to, as you say, Joe Public out mm. there. Um, the, the latest polling in, in the Treasures race showed that they were neck and neck and something like 50 or 60 percent. undecided. I had no yeah. idea who these people are. They right, never heard exactly. of them before. They had no yeah, clue. It was 18 people to people. 17. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> right. And then over 50 percent undecided. So you may have that uninformed voter where someone goes in and says, hey, I know who I want to vote for for governor. Maybe I know who I want to vote for for mayor. And who are these two people? Well, let me pick one. Uh, my last name starts with P, so let me ch choose Pride. <laughs> there may be a bunch of that nonsense. But I think it comes down to two very different philosophies. There's really no question when you look at resume that Stephen Pryor is far more uh, qualified for the specific job. It's just that Diosa is somebody who is appealing to a lot of people in politics. So does he get it for that reason? You know, one of the most popular people in the state right now is that shows in a lot of polls is former Governor Gina Raimondo. And it's interesting. There are three candidates that tout Gina Raimondo. Uh -huh. you got Brett Smiley touting Gina Raimondo, supporting him. You have Helena folks has got Gina Raimondo in her ads, and you have Stephen Pryor having Gina Raimondo. That's not by accident. That's right. And you know what's interesting is that I, I've talked to a lot of people. You know, I did a lot of those stories about the money not g getting out to the small businesses. And what I've heard, and I, you know, I was pressing the governor on that during all those press conferences. What I have heard in the interim is that Stephen Pryor was working quietly with those businesses. And Dan McKee, to a lesser extent, is lieutenant governor. And I talked to more small business people who were appreciative of what he did. So you talk about ground game. That's an important ground game going into it. Um, Joe, Tidewater Landing, talking about uh, Mr. EDC. The, some of the numbers look problematic. Have you taken a close look at that project? You know, not? I've looked at it. I had Mayor Grebian on my show last week, and, and we chatted about it. It's hard for me to put my arms around it, to embrace it. I'm still uh, disappointed that the Pawtucket Red Sox weren't saved in Rhode Island. How we let that go is beyond me. It was wrong. Um, so I haven't been able to, put, I, can't, I can't totally embrace that as of right now, although Mayor Grebian gave me a good argument of why he thinks it's good, but I just don't see it right now. Got a lot of head shaking going on to your left, I, Joe. It's a fiasco. 17 games, and the project, I think, was sold uh, as the total project originally, where there was commercial, there was uh, rentals, <coughs> et cetera. And now all the money is going just to the stadium. So I, th I think it's going to become the next 38 Studios problem. And I think Dan McKee was disingenuous uh, during the debates when he tried to portray that this was, oh, a wonderful thing and it's the most protected project. It is not. It's going to be a boondoggle. We talk about people not paying attention to politics. If the B side of this project, the auxiliary development, the, the parking lot, the pedestrian bridge, the commercial, the, the, the real estate for housing is not completed, the people of Rhode Island must rise up in an unprecedented manner and demand accountability like we've never seen before from the private sector and the public sector. It's an outrageous thought that this stadium would just be funded and provide 17 games alone. I mean, I've refereed in the USL. Now, granted, it was 10 years ago, back when I was a soccer referee. Uh, from Vermont to 
Florida, I never saw more than 500 people in a game. So, look, maybe the thing's growing in leaps and bounds and soccer's huge and all this, that, and the other. But if we don't get that B side of this development, which the governor, you know, through whether it be uh, goodwill or, or, or economic mechanics, says we will get. And I, you have to believe But it, it sounds like you're skeptical that it's going to happen. How could minor league soccer in and of itself, on its own, generate the type of economic development that's promised? Now, pair that with the rest of the project, you have something there for sure. But, you know, you hear Mike McNally uh, from the Commerce Board, you know, complaining and, and stating, hey, look, we should not have funded just the stadium alone as currently constituted. And he voted against it. He voted against it. And, and look, he's in the folks camp. There's no doubt about it. But it's a legitimate argument. Yes, but they, if they complete that second portion, the B side, then it's a, it's a viable project. But they must do that. Let me switch gears quickly uh, nationally, and then we'll get to outrageous. Um, the talk of the town has been uh, the seizure of the documents uh, by the FBI at Mar-a-Lago, and now the judge. And, you know, you always hate to have to say Trump-appointed judge, but that's what she is. Um, says that she's going to grant his request for a special master. And no better person to break this down legally than yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, legally, I think she's definitely incorrect. Uh, whether she'll be overturned or not on appeal remains to be seen because in the next body where it goes to six of the 11 judges, uh, Trump appointees. And you would hope that wouldn't matter. It should never matter. It should never matter. But really, the case law was totally against the action that she took to appoint a master, particularly if these documents are top secret. At most, at any one moment of time, there's probably about 100 people in the federal government that are authorized to see those types of documents. And that's really a maximum number. Who they're ever going to get and the, and the problem about leaks and information getting out or eyes seeing information they should never see, that is so problematic. So from my perspective, that judge was dead wrong. Wow. Um, I'm curious, how do you think the 11th Circuit will handle that? Well, as you know, originally it'll go to three judges. You can ask for en banc, which would be all of them, but we don't know which three of, of the 11 would be a Yeah, how does that shot. get decided? With, of which six, They of flip course. a coin? Or? Well, there's supposed to be already a, a mechanism in place which three would come up. Uh, next. So no one knows that. Uh, I, for Judge Tom Paolino, his relative, I clerked, and the system was already set as to who was going to be the lead judge before any cases ever even got docketed. Uh, they had a rotation. And the first step is they're asking her to reconsider her own decision. That's a non-starter, right? She's never going to go back on what right. she had said, it's, right? It's probably a necessary first step right. uh, for them. Politically, the larger issue of where Trump fits in, I mean, his his influence is beginning to wane. I yep. wonder with the with the midterms whether he becomes less and less of a factor. I think it's possible. I mean, the more legal challenges and scenarios that Trump gets into, I think that the more and more that his, his brand starts to dip, if that makes sense. And you even hear some of his supporters in the media, even locally, starting to back off from him as a result of this. I think just from an optics standpoint, it's maybe deflating the balloon a little bit. At the same time, you know, hey, you can't go a weekend without seeing somebody or a parade of pickup trucks with Trump flags coming through any municipality. But you wonder if that's a vocal minority. Yep. He's not going away, and he's got a strong hold on the Republican Party. And we all have friends in both parties. And, 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 but when people go to the extremes, they become fanatical. And they're way to the one, to, way to the left or way to the right. You can't talk to them. And that's why I think we have to start getting into having runoff elections. Let's people yes. get elected and nominated that get over 50% of the vote so a majority of the people can vote and then we'll know where the people are. Joe, but I don't want the fringes calling the shots. 
What about the larger issue of the midterms? Joe Biden now, who was, you know, they wanted to keep him away, is now out campaigning for people. He's had some legislative wins. And I think there's some momentum. You know, I think the House probably is uh, given that it's going to go over to the Republicans. Maybe not. Necessarily. Not necessarily. We'll I talk w- about that I was then. with David Cicilline the other day, and we were chatting about the election that just took place in Alaska. And yeah. he said, we targeted that to be Sarah Palin's seat, a Republican seat, and a Democrat won that. So there could be something going on that we haven't seen yet out there. And I don't know if Trump is helping the cause or not helping the cause with the general electorate. The independents are going to call a lot of this shot. He's helping his cause. All delays benefit Trump, particularly with the upcoming elections. If there's ever a change and Republicans take control of either house, that investigation is going to be deep seen. You've seen the hashtag Rovember. Where does Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue fit in with voters across the country? I think it's having a, um, it's mobilizing Democrats and pro-choice Democrats to get out there recognizing how important this is. All right, let's go to outrageous and or kudos, Bill. Let's start with you this week. This is kind of a a weird thing that just popped up, but over the last few days, there's been a story, quote-unquote, about students in North Kingstown who are dressing like cats. And you have people in our media here, you know, who in some cases are respected and elected officials making up stories about that the school put a litter box in the gender-neutral bathroom for these kids and so on and so forth. Now, look, and that's been completely debunked. You know, I'm not saying that people should dress in a manner that's distracting or disruptive. There is a point where common sense has to step in. But, you know, teen suicide rates, depression, anxiety is through the roof. If a kid wants to wear a cat ears or cat whiskers or whatever it may be, however they want to dress, you know, let them do it, as long as it's not disruptive and distracting to the other students in the building. And for adults in positions of prominence in this state to be harassing these kids and creating a bullying-type mentality is disgraceful. Mm-hmm. And I call on every single member of the media who has been engaged in this nonsense to, re- to recant what they've said and apologize to these kids. Meow. Okay. <laughs> Joe, what, what, what do you have for... Uh... I got to do a kudos with Queen Elizabeth. You know, mm. I mean, talk about devotion to duty. I hope to emulate her by still working when I'm 96. But here's what I love about her. When the tough decisions had to be made that involved her family, including Prince Andrew or whatever, she did the right thing for the country. So I think she's a role model of service and want to give her... She had a great a run. Here's, here's an individual, and I'm going to talk about Queen Elizabeth also. Isn't it amazing? Two days before she passed away, she dressed, she looked elegant, 96 years old. She walked in her living room, greeted the new prime minister. This is the woman that was advised by Winston Churchill, and then she was able to advise other prime ministers after. So she was a special lady. Excellent. She was the queen of the world. It was the longest wait to get called up for triple, from AAA for Charles. For, in the history of, can you imagine? He's waiting for the call from the bullpen. I read an account, um, one of uh, the Queen's top aides, they were out, there were some Americans hiking near their place in Scotland, and they didn't know who the Queen was. And the guy said, you may have seen this account, he said, uh, and they were talking, oh, do you get out here much? Well, I have a house in London, but we come out here, and hey, you ever met the Queen? And the guy goes, yeah, I have. And he said, what's he like? Oh, he She's a cantankerous woman, and she's standing right there. And they said, hey, can we get a picture with you and we can tell our friends that you've met the queen? The queen took the picture. It was just, it was an unbelievable story. And it's the stories you hear after they die. But, um, and I wonder how that's going to go for Charles. It's tough to be your own man after all these years. But he's now king. Yeah, (laughs) long live the king, right? That's right. That is great. Uh, Folks, thank you so much for joining us. Joe and Arlene. 
And Bill, good to see you. Hey, a week from now, we will know who won. We will have a full analysis. If you don't catch us Fridays at 7 or Sundays at noon, we're all over social media. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter and wherever you get your favorite podcast. We know the Bartholomew Town podcast is very popular, but Lively is right behind it. So check that out. And, of course, we archive all our shows at ripbs.org slash lively. Uh, Folks, get out and vote, and we'll talk about it next week as a Lively experiment continues. Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr. For over 30 years, a Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.